Welcome to Southridge. We're just excited to have you here once again. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee and uh, maybe a cup of water on your way in. Looking forward to what God has us for in store today. We're going to kick off a new series entitled Thankful. Now, we know that we did not spell it correctly. That was, there's a lot of intentionality because how many of you, Thanksgiving is just one of your favorite times of year. Can I just see your hands? Isn't it a great time of year? It's just awesome. Now, not just because of the delicious food, but also because football is real right now. Have you noticed that? Like, like it's for real now. Before it was like, eh, okay, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our teams were kind of practicing, but now it's, I mean, it, if we don't fix it now, I mean, we're not going to, you won't see us in January and February. We're just not going to be there. So this is the month that it really matters. And so it seems like in the month of November, we start getting full of a lot of things, don't we? We start filling up on food. We start filling up on shopping. We start filling up on football. We start filling up on all these parties, all these things we've got going on. And it seems like our lives get full. But what happens is we forget to be full of gratitude and thankfulness. And it's really easy to kind of go into the season and to kind of miss it, isn't it? It's real easy to just kind of uh, almost ignore what God wants to do. And I find that today we have a problem. And it seems like we live in a generation and it's almost like it's generation give me. It just, they have a word for it. It's called entitlement. And I thought it's interesting because I've noticed even with my own life that when good things increase, it seems like gratitude decreases. Have you noticed that with your life? As the goodness of God increases, it seems like our gratitude towards God decreases. And instead of us saying, God, you've blessed us with so many good things, we start looking instead like, God, give me more. Like I don't have enough. And it seems we're constantly grasping for more things. And so today we want to kick off a series entitled Being Thankful. And this morning we cannot end entitlement. You're not going to be able to. This message is not going to end entitlement. But we can introduce entitlement to its enemy. You cannot end entitlement. This is a problem that's just not, as some people, they'll talk about entitlements. They'll talk about how maybe their children feel entitled. You may have a boss that feels entitled. You may have, you think your spouse feels entitled. You may feel like, hey, there's everybody around you's entitled. But here's the problem. We cannot end entitlement, but we can introduce entitlement to its enemy. And that's the goal of this morning's message. So if you have a copy of God's word, would you turn to Philippians chapter number four? Philippians chapter number four. If you don't have a copy of God's word, that's not a problem. Be up on the screen or there's a copy of God's word in front of you in the seat back in front of you. And that Bible is yours to take if you'd like it. If you want a copy of God's word, that's our gift to you. You can take that. And we're going to hear from a man by the name of Paul. And he's going to teach us some powerful truths this morning about how to end entitlement. And how to introduce it to its enemy and how to deal with it. So let's begin reading in verse number four. Of chapter four, the Bible says this rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again rejoice. That verse alone can convict us, that verse alone can uh, do a work on us. If we would just stop right there and say, God, maybe that's what I need. Because as we come through this holiday season, you may know this, but this is the time where most people or or, or prescription drugs are on the rise. You say, why? Because all the stress. You have the financial stress, or you have the, I've got to be with multiple different family stress, and it, or I'm alone this season. And so what happens is it gets real tempting to not rejoice. And so Paul continues in verse number five. He said, let your 
gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. When we have entitlement on our lives, we need to understand that entitlement never comes alone. Entitlement always brings a friend, and that friend is anxiety. Whenever you meet an entitled person, understand that entitlement is born on the back of anxiety. Because why? They feel like they don't have enough. They feel like they are missing out on something. And so the apostle Paul is reminding us of this truth. So he says, do not be anxious about anything. And then in verse number seven, he says something profound. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where does anxiety attack? Our mind and our emotions. And he's saying, hey, I want to tell you about a guard that'll protect you. And this is what we need around the holidays because I, I get it. All of a sudden, we're looking for the perfect gift, or, or we're looking to make sure we don't offend somebody, or we're making sure that when it comes to this holiday season that we don't want to have an anxious spirit. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, there's some protection out there for you. There's something that you can use to protect your heart. And he's saying, let the peace of God. And then he goes on, verse number eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and in the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we look at this passage, and, and if you grew up in the church, this passage of scripture is probably underlined in your Bible. You've probably highlighted some of these verses. You probably were on a, uh, a high school team, and you used Philippians 4.13 in your locker room. Your, your classmates didn't know any other verses, but they knew Philippians 4.13. They were using it way out of context, because it just kind of seems like it fits any context we want, except for the context that's presented here. And so we just use that verse, that I can do it all. But here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Let's just step back for a moment and just look at his life. If you were to be in that day and age and you were to hear about the Apostle Paul, you would not think the Apostle Paul, the writer of 13 books of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, church planner extraordinaire, the Apostle Paul, the one that's taken the gospel of the entire known world, you would say, ooh, Apostle Paul, my pastor's in prison. I don't know if I want to talk about him. I mean, think about it. How successful would your ministry be? Uh, not too many of the big church conferences are looking for a pastor who's served jail time. That's not quite what they want in their keynote speaker. You see, from the outside, if you grew up in the church, you just kind of take these verses at, at, at face value and you're like, oh, this is great. This is awesome what he's saying. No, no, the apostle Paul is in prison. He's in jail. And if you were to look at his life, you would say, this is not the high point of his life. This is the low point of his life. And even he's alluding to that. So you may find yourself this morning at a low point in your life and others may even see it's a low point or you may say, I'm at a high point, but here's what Apostle Paul wants us to get. Here's the truth he wants us to grasp this morning. The truth is that, that what others see 
as a low point, the apostle Paul says, it's not a low point because I'm looking at it inside out where you're looking at it outside in. So it's real easy to look at our life and say, man, my job doesn't pay me enough or my spouse doesn't treat me well enough or my kids don't do what I want them to do. All of which are rooted in entitlement, aren't they? All of them. Oh, I'm not treated how I should be treated. What is that? That's entitlement. And so this morning we see that the apostle Paul is introducing entitlement to its enemy. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that today we do have this problem of entitlement. I was thinking about it the other day and I just started to get convicted as I began to think about entitlement. And I was thinking, wow, my kids have it so good. My kids, they have things that I never got to have. They get to do things I never got to do. And you know what I still have to do? Maybe you do this. I have younger children and I'll hand them something and I'll have to say this little phrase. Maybe you have to say it too. And what do you say? Thank you. And you're like, no, no, no. How do you say it? Thank you. You know, and they just, they, 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 their tone of voice just kind of uh, reminds me of the fact that they are not grateful. They're not thankful. They're entitled. And help me out, parents with older kids. I hope it ends. I hope it does. Maybe you're like, no, it doesn't. And, uh, but I looked at my children. I was thinking, my children, I can't believe they're not acting like this. What is that it's entitlement that I expect to have this? And certain times we can get entitled about the situation in our life. Oh, I, I, I feel that people should treat me better. Why? What is that? It's entitlement. And so it's real easy, especially with all the political stuff going on, it's real easy as we hear politicians talk about this group is entitled and that group's entitled and I'm going to end entitlement and I'm going to do this. Here, here's the thing that I think we need to take a real good look at is the entitlement in our own life. So as the next three weeks, as we walk through how to be thankful, we need to deal with this thing of entitlement that could be lurking in our own heart. Because here's what entitlement does. You see, the bigger our sense of entitlement, the smaller our sense of gratitude. Have you ever noticed that? You'll do something for someone, and then they don't say thank you. They don't reciprocate it. They don't even respond to it. Why? Because the bigger my sense of entitlement, the smaller my sense of gratitude. And the apostle Paul, he's pointing out this fact. He's saying, hey, we can live entitled. And he's at a point of where he's in prison. But yet he is saying, hey, I had to practice some things in my life so that I know how to rejoice. And some of us, that's the lesson this morning. It's saying, I know how to rejoice. And the apostle Paul, from an hour perspective, is not at a high point in his ministry. He's at a low point. And he's saying, guess what? I know how to rejoice. My rejoicer is not broken. I know how to give God a praise. He said, prison cannot captivate or capture my praise we were singing worship to God this morning and some of us because the burdens in our heart could not whisper a praise to God why because we feel like our praise is in prison and you've imprisoned your praise instead of being able to worship with arms outstretched with a heart full of worship and love and admiration to God we're stepping back and saying God I did live for you I did those things that you wanted me to do but God you didn't come through on your end you know what that is it's entitlement it's for we said God we got nine Sundays left in the year and God I have not missed one of them but I am still in debt. My children are still not doing what you want. God, I'm still not seeing the spiritual breakthrough. What is that? It's this entitlement. 
It's not us saying, God, you know what? I know that you're going to work. I know that you're going to bless. It's us coming back with the fact that instead of us saying, God, thank you for how good you've been. Instead, all we can focus on is, God, I did this for you, but you haven't come through on your end. Here's the problem with entitlement. Entitlement says, I feel like I deserve what you earned. That's entitlement. I feel like I deserve what you earned. That I should have it. If you are a child of God this morning, Jesus Christ earned salvation for us. We're not entitled to it. We get it. We receive it. It's the gift of God. But yet what we can sometimes do is act like we deserve it. We can sometimes act like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I've been going to church I even got me one of those little Bibles that they give out for free every Sunday. I have five at home because every Sunday I just grab a new one. I don't need to bring it. They give them free. Come on. I gave 10 bucks one time last year, so that should cover it. You know, so I deserve me one of these. And what happens is we kind of bring that attitude toward God. Hey, God, I once gave to you. God, I once served at one of those. And and four weeks we're doing our Christmas tree giveaway. Oh, I did that last year. So God, you kind of owe me. What is it? It's a sense of entitlement. It's not a sense of, man, God, you are great. God, you're doing some good things. God, I can't believe you're giving me an opportunity to serve you. I mean, look at me. I love the way David in Psalms put it. He said, he remembers our frame. He knows that we are just dust. He knows what we really are, but yet he decides to use us. He decides to work through us. The apostle Paul is saying, hey, what you guys on the outside looking in, he's saying, hey, you need to have a perspective shift. You see, it's no longer outside looking in, it's inside looking out. It's the inside out factor. It's saying, hey, you may look at my life and you may say, oh, I don't have everything I want. But guess what? I have way more than I deserve. I have way more than I should because I'm blessed. You see, entitlement, well, here's what entitlement does. Entitlement will take the good in your life and it'll say it's not good enough. There was one day and we just came through a a marriage series where you stood at the altar and you said, I love this woman. I love this man. And something crept into the relationship called entitlement. And it said, this good thing is not good enough anymore. There once used to be a time where you loved that car that you had. Oh man, you drove it off the lot. Oh, it smelled good. New car smell, whether it was new or new to you. Man, you were just so happy with it. Nowadays, you can go in the parking lot and you want to kick the tire. Like, piece of junk barely got me to church this morning. I rebuked Satan out of this vehicle. And he's tired of it. What happened? Instead of you saying, God, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for what you're doing. All of a sudden, entitlement has crept in. And here's what entitlement does. It takes the good in our life and says it's not good enough. So the apostle Paul is reminding the church. He's reminding them of what God has done. He's saying, hey, rejoice, rejoice evermore. And he says it again, I say rejoice. He's reminding us we have so many reasons to rejoice. When's the last time you stopped back and you said, I just need to write down all those things that God has given me, all the things that God has done in my life, all those things that I don't deserve. I'm going to praise him. We praise him by faith when his presence is concealed versus just praising him when his presence is revealed. Sometimes we just want God to, God, if you'll reveal yourself, then I'll praise you. Isn't that putting a condition on God? Isn't that saying, God, if you will respond to me, wait a minute, we've got it backwards. So this morning we're taking entitlement 
And we're saying entitlement, I am dragging you by the nap of your neck and I can't end you, but I'm gonna introduce you to your enemy this morning. And the enemy of entitlement is simply this because where gratitude begins, entitlement ends. Where gratitude begins, entitlement has to end. Your entitlement cannot stand against your gratitude. You say, I don't have the perfect spouse. Guess what? Start thanking God for every little thing they do and you will see that spouse transform. He said, my children are not where I want them to be. Start praising God for your children and the things that they do. Start praising, start thanking God. And all of a sudden, you're going to see some things shift in your heart where you say, wow, man, God's doing some things. The apostle Paul, he walked us through it. He said, hey, you want to protect your heart from anxiety and an anxious spirit? Hey, there's a piece of God's going to guard your heart. So it's that guard that we need in our life this season, especially as you're going to see, I mean, some of you a little bit older than I am, so you'll remember this. I don't, but the Sears Roadback catalog, you would get one of those and you would start looking through and you'd circle all these things you want. Nowadays it's Amazon Prime. I go on Amazon and I just kind of have my favorites, my list. And I'm just like, hey babe, yeah, you can buy me that. 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 Yeah, yeah. There's my Amazon Prime wish list. You could just get me all that. And it's a little bit easier now. We don't have magazines, but I found that even though Toys R Us is gone it's dead rest in peace they still have ways of getting out these toy catalogs and my kids this week have already been looking through all the catalogs of all the things that they want do you know how much american girl dolls cost i think i could go create a real human being instead of a fake doll for the price that they want i'm like you got to be kidding me have you seen the bike the bike the bike is this big Kane tried to ride it. It's small. It's tiny. It's more than a real bike. I'm like, baby, please, let me just get you a real bike. It's cheaper. Daddy could get you two bikes for the one that your doll is going to use. It's not fair. But what is it? It's entitlement. It's this air of entitlement. We just feel like I have to have it. You see, entitlement blocks my point of view. I can't see the good in my life. Another thing, entitlement traps us and it makes you feel like the victim. Entitlement makes you feel like the victim. Notice if you would, verse number one of this passage, therefore my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. What happened? There was a dispute in this church. There were two ladies that they couldn't get along. And there was something that they each wanted. They weren't getting their way over it. And so the apostle Paul is having to interrupt scripture. And he doesn't tell us what the issue was, but he's saying, hey, we got to deal with this. Why do we have to deal with this? What was happening? You see, what was happening was that they, apostle Paul is trying to write and say, hey, there's bigger things than to bicker with each other. There's bigger things to deal with than us just fighting with each other. But then we also see that entitlement will rob you of your rest. You ever have an anxious night of sleep? Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? an anxious night of sleep. That just means you did not sleep because the anxiety was so overwhelming on your heart and on your life that you just felt like I can't even rest because the anxiety, because your heart is not protected. Your heart is surrounded by entitlements. And so maybe today you need to just take out your phone and you say, I need to write down where I feel entitled, where I feel like I deserve better and say, God, these areas, I need to have a repentant heart and mind towards these things so that I view these things differently. And until then, we will never have that joy, that peace that passes all understanding. So first of all, you want to put a guard in your heart, but then you want to align yourself with God's perspective. To align yourself. You ever driven your car out of alignment? All of a sudden, everything's rattling, and you try to drink your coffee, and it's like spilling on you as you're trying to drink it. Only dudes would do that. Ladies, you're smart enough. You have the straw. You know, it doesn't matter if it's out of alignment. Us guys, we're like, I can make it as we're burning ourselves, third-degree burns all over ourselves. We're trying to drink our coffee, and our alignment's out. Some of us spiritually, our alignment's off. 
And we wonder why the Christian life is so bumpy. It's so difficult because we refuse to deal with entitlement. We refuse to deal with these things that are inside of our life. And we need to meet, we need entitlement to meet its enemy. And its enemy is gratitude. You see, I am not entitled to what others have earned. I am not entitled to what Christ has earned for me either. You see, gratitude, it opens a door even for more relationships. You see, these two ladies, they couldn't have a relationship together. Why? Because of entitlement. Entitlement shuts the relationship down. Have you noticed that? Some of you feel like, why is my spouse or why is my boyfriend or girlfriend or why is this coworker or this boss, why are we not getting along? Is there entitlement there? Because entitlement closes the door to relationships. And if there is a relationship that is struggling, step back this week and see if there's entitlement anywhere in this relationship. Is there something you're expecting that person to give you or do for you that they're not? And that's what's actually the rift in the relationship because you actually have an expectation of them. I say it over and over and I'll say it again. If you have not expressed it, you should not expect it. Your spouse, your boss, your employees, your coworkers cannot read your mind. So if you have not expressed it to them, you should not expect it of them. But yet we just kind of think, oh, I just kind of expected this of them. That's entitlement. And the apostle Paul is drawing us in and he's saying, hey, and, and, and right now you may be sitting here saying, this is so hard for me to do. And it is. But that's why we have Philippians 4.13. That's why verse 13 is in there. It's not so that when I get in the gym and I'm going to put up a PR of lifting all this weight, I can do all things through Christ. That's not what that verse is talking about. It's not saying that when you get to the mall and you have on Black Friday 12 hours, but yet you've got 36 stores to get there, a lady that you say, I can do all things through Christ. I will shop every store today. I will make it in, in Jesus' name. That's not what he's talking about right there. What he's saying is that where you feel that I don't have the strength to give joy, I don't have the strength for peace, he's saying, you do, you do. But I know we like the other context better. We love our entitled context. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? We have our own entitled context of that verse. And we just kind of cherry pick it. And we apply it to any situation that fits our need at the moment. Instead of saying, wait a minute, what is it actually talking about? He's actually saying that when I feel entitled, when I feel self-serving, when I feel like life needs to be revolving around me, that now I can go to my spouse. I can go to my children. I can go to my place of work. I can go to God and I can serve and I can love because there is strength in there. There is grace in there. And some of you are going to go back to a situation. You just feel like I can't do this or I don't want to do this. You can take Philippians 4.13 into that situation and say, hey, I feel entitled. I feel like I deserve better. I feel like I should have more, but now I can exercise Philippians 4, 13, that I can do all things through Christ, that God will enable me. He will supernaturally help me to end entitlement in my life, that I can introduce it to gratitude and where gratitude begins, entitlement will end. And the apostle Paul, he's pointing that out. He's pointing out the fact that guess what? You may be struggling this morning. You may be feeling like there's no way I can continue on in this life. And the apostle Paul is pointing out the fact that, wait a minute, you actually can. You can but he wants us to deal with these things. And so this morning, as we look at this passage and we say, God, we need you to invade these areas of our life. One of the most convicting things I've done recently was to look at entitlement in my own life. Here's the worst thing whenever I, I deliver a message. My goal as a pastor is to lead and feed. Those are my two goals, to lead and to feed. But whenever I get up to give a message, and I've talked with others that have also uh, preached 
in this church or in others, the most convicting thing is to go through the message and say, okay, before I deliver this, I need it to work on me. Because most of us don't think we actually have an entitlement problem. Oh, you can see it in somebody else. Oh, you can see it in maybe another uh, social demographic. You can see it in maybe your spouse. You can see it in your children. You can see it maybe in your relatives. But the one that we have the hardest time seeing is in ourselves. But then we go to God and we start claiming Psalms 51 where it says, Search me and know me, O God, and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's a dangerous prayer. Because God's like, oh, you want to go there? We will go there. As a matter of fact, God's like, I've been waiting to go here. It's whenever you sit down as husbands, we sit down and we just like, oh, honey, we sit down with our spouse. Oh, we, I just want to have a heart to heart. And they're like, yes, yes, I'm about to rip open your heart. I'm about to deal with some stuff. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So, so the Holy Spirit's like, yes, you want to do that? Let's do that. And I'll point out where you've had some entitlement. And I was stuck in a line the other day, and I was just waiting, and I was just thinking about this message, so I started to write down one thing after another. And I didn't realize how much entitlement just gets in our life and how much joy entitlement robs. Some of you feel like there's so much in the season that we're about to experience, and you're just like, I have no joy in my life. It's because entitlement has taken its place. Because joy and entitlement cannot coexist. They cannot cohabitate. And some of us are like, where's the joy? I have no joy. I'm trying to manufacture joy. But first we have to unplug what's stopping it. What's stopping the joy is the entitlement. And the entitlement in our lives is saying this, you deserve better. They shouldn't have talked to you like that. You're worth more than that. And we have this voice of entitlement constantly talking. And now we sit here and we say, you know what? I need to deal with this. Because everybody else is looking at you and they may be seeing what they saw in the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he gets up and he's saying, hey, I had to deal with this. But did you catch something else that he said over and over? He said, hey, I've had to learn this and I've had to practice this. So for you and I this morning, this is not something that we just pray a little magical prayer and entitlement's eradicated. You cannot end it, but you can introduce it to its enemy. And that's gratitude. And the Apostle Paul is teaching us how to do that. And he's saying, hey, in every situation, I've learned this. He said in Corinthians that, hey, I've spent a night and a day in the deep. I've been in in prison. I've been stoned. I've been hurt. I've been beaten. All these things have happened to me. So I've had to learn to be content with these things. And some of us, we look at our car, we look at our house, we look at our clothing, we look at our bank account and we say, I always want more. I just need a little bit more. And it's never quite enough because we feel this entitlement. We feel this, this, this desire to acquire that we have to have a little bit more, have to be a little bit better instead of stepping back and saying, God, maybe this is what you want from me. It's interesting. I use the old adage that your car was just fine until you saw somebody that you know and love get a newer car. Your things were just fine until you walked into somebody's home who they just went to the gangs and they were in Waco, Texas, and man, they just magnolia the place out. And all of a sudden, you're like, my home's a dump. I think the dump's nicer than my house. Because why? You saw what they had, and all of a sudden, you felt entitled to it. And we haven't protected our heart. We haven't said, God, I'm going to walk into this situation and I know that I can be content. I know that I can, I can have the mind that says I'm okay with not having to have it. I'm okay with these things. And God, I need to protect my heart. I need to be okay with these things. And so the apostle Paul, he goes on, he, he says this. 
He said, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent out from Macedonia, no one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not, not that I desire gifts. What I desire is more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Where is he, church? He's in prison. And he said, I have more than enough. How many people in prison are thinking that right now? If we were to go to San Quentin right now, we were just to interview a couple of the inmates, how many of you are like, hey, do you have everything you want? They'd be like, no, I don't have my freedom. I don't have my own clothes. I wear this orange thing day in and day out. The apostle Paul is reminding us of what is possible. That you can walk into a situation saying, I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Yeah, what you see on the outside, you may see, oh man, it seems like this is rough. Wouldn't it be awesome if you get around the Thanksgiving table and you maybe have had a very difficult year. Maybe it's been a year of loss. Maybe it's been a year of emotional heartache. And you sit at the Thanksgiving table and you have the longest list of praise and thanks. Or you just say, hey guys, let's push back. Hey, hey, put that turkey in the microwave. It needs to sit a little bit. I have a testimony that I need to share because I've been through some stuff this year. You see, you can only get a testimony if you've been tested. And everybody this morning wants to have a testimony. We want to get up and, and declare what God has done. But God says, have you been through some stuff? The apostle Paul said, I've been through some stuff. I've hurt some. I've bled some. I've been alone, but I'm content and I am amply supplied. I don't need more in the bank to feel amply supplied. I don't need a better spouse to feel amply supplied. I don't need better children. I don't need a better job. I have God. And what you see on the outside, is not what I see on the inside because I'm looking at this thing inside out. That God is inside of me and that God is going to bless and that God is going to sustain me and that God is my source and God is going to lead me through it. So I'm not looking at it from the outside in. And it's time that we change our perspective on things. And we say, I'm going to look at this from the inside out. That God would help us to be able to say like the apostle, that I have more than I need. I'm amply supplied. And so he goes on and he admonishes this church that he says, hey, guess what? And God's going to meet all your needs too. Why? Because where entitlement ends and where there's gratitude, guess what happens? We want to give more. It's uh, I've never been trick-or-treating. So if this is something where you just, uh, you're going to get mad at your pastor because he went trick-or-treating. I've never been trick-or-treating. So for the very first time in 34 years, I took my family trick-or-treating. All right. And uh, I noticed I have three children. I got an eight-year-old, I got a six-year-old, and I got a, he's almost two. And uh, we did the Wizard of Oz, right? And it's a movie I've also never seen the whole thing because the flying monkeys just freaked me out. So I had nightmares. So don't ask me to watch it with you. I'm not going to. I don't want to. I don't do scary movies. Some of you are like, that's not a scary movie. It is for me, okay? <laughs> Wizard of Oz and Bambi. Terrible movie, super scary, okay? And so we were going, and I noticed something. Cain has, my youngest, has just learned to say thank you. And it sounds like this, thank you. That's, that's, that's what it sounds like. My other kids, on the other hand, <laughs> a little bit more entitled. They're all about how can I get to the next house faster. So it's like, get in, get the candy, and go to the next house. But Cain just has to shuffle his feet. 
And then he just has his little bucket, and he just look up, a little lion costume. He was the, the, the not-so-brave lion. And I just saw, as he said, Tentu, all the parents or whoever was at the door were like, <laughs> he's so cute, I just want to bite him, you know? I was like, don't bite my child. And then what they would do, they would reach into their bag, and they would grab a handful, and they'd put it into Cain's bucket. And we didn't have to stay out very long, because this is Cain. Uh, he was literally dragging this bucket and he finally was just like oh this is dumb you know I gotta I gotta carry a whole bucket of candy and Megan and Oz were like Cain how did you get all the candy why because he learned gratitude it's a silly illustration but who would you rather give to the person that is grateful the person that is thankful or the person that just kind of thinks like I kind of deserve this how do you think our heavenly father feels when we come into church God you better speak this morning my spouse, they, they need something. Oh, I need something. I need to hear from you. Oh, God, you know that I've been doing real good. I've been doing real good. Uh, I, I haven't been doing any of that bad stuff for like 48 hours. So, God, I feel like you kind of owe me. I've been kind of good. So you can do me a solid. And uh, I'm going to buy me a couple scratchers. And uh, you can bless me now. All right? I'm, 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 I'm ready for it. Or there's the person that just comes to God humbly. He says, God, I just kind of need you. I need to hear from you. And I'm just, before I, before I make a request, let me just be grateful for who you are. Let me just be thankful for what you've done. And let me just park it on that for a little while. And God, if we don't get to my request, that's okay. I just need to take some time and I just need to be grateful for all that you've done for me. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to start writing down all the things that God has done. And you're going to find that there's so much that the list of all the things that God has done for you far outweighs the list of what God hasn't done for you. The air to breathe, the clothes on our back, the, the food on the table, the, the, the job opportunities. They don't have a job, but the opportunities that are out there. You say, uh, I, I feel alone. There are people that love you. You say, I feel like God has left me. God has never left you. You say, I feel distant. And God is saying, I'm right here. And then God wants to speak into that moment as you start saying, God, entitlement needs to end. And God says, I have a way. And it's when we introduce gratitude. Because entitlement ends where gratitude begins. And this morning we're saying, God, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. God, I didn't earn salvation. But you gave it free. And so we come with a heart that says, God, I'm grateful this morning. And God says, I'm right. That's what I want to bless. The heart of thankfulness, the heart of gratefulness, the heart of gratitude. So this morning as we think about this next season, may it not be based on, oh, I can't wait for my decorations or my fantasy football league. Maybe based on God, I'm so grateful. My heart is overflowing. My praise will not be held in prison. The Apostle Paul says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Can we be a church that can rejoice? Can we be a church that says, I will rejoice in the good times or in the bad because it doesn't matter because my perspective is always an inside-out perspective, not an outside-in perspective. And so this morning, I see God in a different light and I see what God is doing and I'm grateful. Can we stand this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. God, I pray that you would help us to take a deep soul-searching look into our hearts and lives and ask ourselves the question, 
where is the entitlement? Why is it that when the goodness of God pours out and it increases, that our gratitude towards you decreases? So Father, help us this morning. Help us to get our eyes on you and all the good that you've done. And help us to have grateful hearts and thankful lives. And I pray that it wouldn't just be this time of year, but this would be something that every time we feel an anxious or anxiety that we could go to you and say, God, there's some entitlement and I need to deal with it. And I can't end entitlement, but I can introduce entitlement to its enemy and its enemy is gratitude. So Father, help us this morning to fill our hearts with gratitude towards you. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.